Thank you for listening to Recyclables. I really appreciate it. If you want to support the program, the best way to do that is to like, subscribe, and share. Uh, the next best way is to make a donation either through the Acast app or at our Patreon, which is just patreon forward slash recyclables.com. Until next time, thank you. Like that's the the uniting factor between these two cases is that these people wanted to hunt people. We're starting from the top at 93 minutes into That's recording. That's just because you just record everything we do when we get in here. You're oh, listening. Oh, I even waited this time. I've been waiting. I have been waiting. You have been waiting to do the news dump, composting the bullshit. Uh, you are Rochelle Cotier. <laughs> yeah. I just like saying Rochelle's name more and more French every episode. Uh, my name is Patrick Thomas Perkins. Gross. We are joined. Are we introducing you, Corey, or are you just sitting there nodding? I mean, uh, since you... The poopiest of pants <laughs> Oh, that'll go. Don't worry. That'll go in the patrons. <laughs> I am uh, Mr. Poopy Pants. His name's Corey Taylor Cedarleaf. I'm sorry, his name is so much. You gave me, you gave, okay. You gave him his government name. <laughs> Yo, yeah. And my social is the following. One, two, three, six, four, two. I went to a, numbers. I went to a going away brunch for a friend and they had a trivia quiz about the person. And the last question was, what's the last four of their social? And, and so many like, people knew. No, I don't think <laughs> anyone knew. But there were other ones like, and I just didn't know any of them, so then some of them I just answered my response instead. <laughs> so really what it was was them trying to collect all the last four digits of all of their friends' social security numbers. Like, they're like, that's what I would do. So, like, we're going to do some identity theft <laughs> for the honeymoon. Thank you all for funding the honeymoon. I think we're just trying to avoid talking about what we're going to talk about today. Uh, wh- why? Um, what are we... What did, what did we idiots that we are decide? Um, well... I uh, rehash the details of the murder of a 17-year-old in uh, the Missoula, Montana area back in 2014. And Patrick, what did you look into? Uh, I watched Tucker Carlson until I cried. I think that's what I did. <laughs> that was, Can that... that be a pickup line? <laughs> so, uh, I watched Tucker Carlson until I cried last night. What are you up to? It will work on a very specific kind of woman, too, because, like, there's a kind of woman where it's like, ooh, that's a turnoff, and there's a kind of woman where it's like, no, wh- why would you do that to yourself? Tell me more. Like, yeah, yeah. What, what are we going to get up to? And that is my type of woman, so that's, that's true. No, I watched... You're welcome. I did, I did what I usually do for these, which is I just watched all of the news media coverage of things overall, so that's what I sent you all those links yeah. on. Uh, I didn't watch any of those, full disclosure, folks. That's fine. And then I went down a kind of a side rabbit hole comparing. We're talking about uh, Ahmed Aubrey. Aubrey. Uh, we're talking about his the, the murder, the trial around his murder. And then that sent me down a rabbit hole because of some stuff we'll get into kind of in the third act. Yeah. But but we, we wanted to talk about that case because of the Rittenhouse case. And we were like, well, let's not talk about this thing that's... That has happened, and that there's been a bunch of stuff about. Let's talk about this thing that isn't well publicized because the supernova that was the Rittenhouse case. Yeah, yeah. Let's let's talk about um, one of the cases that happened uh, and really incited a lot of frustration among the black community, 
Uh, and then the case that I'm talking about was like small town, small town America, Montana. It was a castle doctrine case. So the argument was about whether or not you can, he could shoot this kid because he was a danger to house and home. So, um, question for you at the top. Um, have you, or would you have stolen alcohol from a garage when you were a teenager? Maybe I did. I did once steal, I think Statue of Limitations is up on this. I did once steal a multi-pack of toilet paper. Uh, we proceeded to throw three rolls over a tree before we realized this is a lot of work and just gave up, just left the toilet paper at the bottom of the tree. You left the toilet paper? Was it a rainy night? It wasn't. Oh, I hope someone was able to use that. I hope so, too, in hindsight. But a younger, more reckless man than I stole from somebody's Costco-sized toilet paper. So so I'm, I wasn't into alcohol. I was into toilet paper. You're just a bad person. <laughs> Even before it was cool to hoard. And Corey? I think I could have been egged on to yeah. do it. I don't think that I well, would have had the have inclination. you wouldn't have gone out of your way to do that yourself. No, I wouldn't have done it myself. But I had a lot of friends who were the kinds of, uh, and this is in giant air quotes, friends, uh, that would... <laughs> egg people on to do things and try and uh, more or less bully them. So I could have and I'm, I I would always fold every time. Yeah. So I could have done it. Right. I want to clarify that was like literally my only like teenage actor rebellion. The rest of the time this isn't me being like a bit. I would just stay at home and read because I was scared of getting in trouble and like with my back I was scared of getting hurt. So like there was a lot of yeah. the, like literally in one night we did this and then we were like man all right cool we were rebellious that was fun that was I need to take a nap yeah pretty much like <laughs> so there was kind of like some talk in the neighborhood where this murder occurred that there were kids going around breaking into people's garages stealing stuff like most likely beer or sometimes other like liftable stuff from in the garages. Um, well, Marcus Karma decided that he wasn't going to let that happen to him again because he had been burglarized already. Uh, what is what does burglarize? He ha- already claimed someone had stolen things from his. But but what what is things like 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 there's, there's I can't even remember. So one thing I'm gonna say is that it's hard to get into some of the details of this because a lot of the articles, specifically from Missoulian, I cannot access without signing up for a membership, and my ADD, ADHD ass is not going to remember to cancel that subscription when it bumps up to ten ninety nine, and then I'm going to be real mad at myself. So fuck you, Missoulian. Some of this I'm working off of memory. But, like, I think he, I feel like he was even vague about what ended up going missing. Okay, but. But, like, before this even happened, he was heard uh, speaking to his hairdresser about how him and his girlfriend and the mother of his child were going to set a trap and catch these thieving kids or thieving whoever. I don't think they knew necessarily they were kids, but they knew people were, someone was breaking and stealing shit in the neighborhood. So the night of the murder, they leave their garage door partially open. They leave her purse out on the ground of the garage. Did they put did they put the purse under a cardboard box that was propped up? Yes, by I mean that's about how it feels, honestly. So they set up the situation. Well, then they see on like their security camera in the front or like the baby monitor. I don't know what they set up, but they set up some sort of rudimentary surveillance. They see that someone's coming into their garage. Marcus goes through the garage door, has his shotgun. 
he sprays th- three low shots. So, like, kind of hits, like, in the legs, the knees, maybe lower stomach. I'm not entirely certain. Then he squares up one more time and then just blows the kid away. And this is a 17-year-old German foreign exchange student. Ooh. His dad was a fucking Turkish immigrant to Germany. And this didn't start a war? Right. So... The Third World War started because of a Missoula beer run. Right. This kid is <coughs> murdered. And then Karma was found guilty in December of 2014. He was later sentenced. I think it was in February of the next year, but he was sentenced to 70 years. Um, and his last appeal was denied June of... Uh, 2021 so june of this last year he was denied it so some of the context i also want to add i added some in before just because it makes me so fucking mad because this story is just disgusting yeah he spoke to a hairdresser said i'm gonna fucking kill these kids or kill kill whoever is doing this i'm they're gonna have what's coming to them so he's established that this wasn't about defending property it was about vigilante justice it's weird to me because that's that's going to be a reoccurring theme throughout this. Mm-hmm. And I've never... It, it's a repeated concept that, like, the violation of comfort more than anything else. Because it doesn't sound like he had enough stolen to... You know what I mean? Like, if you have your TV stolen or your computer stolen, you're that's what you lead with. You're like, they stole my computer and, like, I don't know, some silverware and some crap. You know what I mean? Right. So, so you, you lead with that. And in some cases, I understand, like, maybe that's your livelihood or whatever. Mm-hmm. But it's, it's this idea that it's their safety and sanctity is what gets violated and so now it's it's all game over it's a it's it's very fragile it's a it's a very fragile thing that they seem to hold like some definition of like it's almost like their masculinity is tied up in it and it's very i don't i don't know it's a thing (laughs) maybe somebody smarter than me will come up with some term for it but they interviewed a few of his neighbors uh, in an article that I was able to read from the Missoulian. The neighbor said that, like, he just—he was pretty kind of angry guy. Like, kind of was just someone was wondering when when something was going to happen. In some ways, some people said that, like, after he shot the kid and like they were taking him away, he's like, "Yeah, I shot him. I took care of him." And then uh, talking to his girlfriend on like recorded line at the jail. He said, he's like, I fucking, oh, I, I wrote it down. Everyone should rejoice that our neighborhood is safer and that expletive idiots. This kid was 17 years old and it's like, he may, may not have been breaking into people's houses to steal beer. So this response, this violent trap response was it's- wild. Cause like my dad got shit stolen from his garage. That definitely happened. But I never would have imagined my dad would set up a fucking trap. To shoot someone in his garage. It's wild to me because I understand the impulse because you, it's, it's this thing, it's this thing where when the world is unjust, you want to fix it. Right. But then because you, I guess because your perspective, I'm just thinking, it just made me think of the time I got, I got robbed one time walking home from a friend's concert. Like they told me. You've been robbed more than once in the time that I've known you. Well, this was one of the times and it was, it was. No, I'm just saying, I can't say that about many people in my life. It's like an awkward brag. But when I was, when I, it might be the same story, but when I was robbed afterwards, like they took my bag and stuff and I knew roughly where the the area was and I, I felt like I had seen the car before. And so there was this very real impulse to be like, I know people with guns and cars. We should just go, like, I can understand the impulse. It's the part where you're like, 
that's a sane response. I should follow through with it. Because I would think that and then go, no, that's what a crazy person does. Yeah. I'm or, not a crazy person. Yeah. And I mean, the more important thing is that I don't think stuff is worth more than a human life. Yeah, there's also that. Like, what am you I? Know? What What am I going to do after that? I'm just gonna. I'm just gonna. Yeah. Like they're not. They're not going to have feelings about me showing up with guns if that was to be. That's That's the other part. It's like it's a complete lack of being able to empathize so much that you like can't even think of the math of like how would I react if a stranger pulled a gun on me. Like, like right. in, in there, there's no idea that like, man, somebody might be a little weirded out because I, I pulled, I pulled this thing that brings death to people and then I pointed it at you and you're acting weird and I don't get why. I don't. Don't shoot me, bro. Yeah. I. Part of the reason I wanted to bring this up too is that, uh, the, the, one of my most intense, uh, bouts of heckling I've ever done in an open mic happened surrounding this case. I was in Bozeman, Montana, and I think it was probably maybe a month or so after, like, the death had occurred, and uh, someone was, their whole set was awful, like, they had a joke about, like, how funny it is that, like, people who are paraplegics have to have someone help them have sex, stuff like that, like, like what would happen uh, if someone has a seizure on an airplane, there's no doctor there, like, making these jokes, and they weren't funny, and then he started talking about this case and laughed at the fact that, like, that the shrines for the kid's death, like, they, the high school kids made a shrine, and, like, his favorite soda, I think, was 7-Up, so people put 7-Up outside, or Sprite, one of those two. And he was, like, laughing about that and just, like, laughing at these kids. So Rochelle was real drunk, and so I just kept on yelling, That's so funny! <laughs> like, over and over, and all of my friends were so fucking mad at me for heckling during this dude's set. Then I ended up smoking weed at a house where he was as well, and I like, I think if we could have ripped the table apart, we would have slit each other's throats. That's I hate him still to this day. It's understandable. Th- those are my favorite uh, from stand up. That is my favorite when you, I I choose not to heckle, but like my laugh has definitely been not as helpful. as offensive as it has been reflexive. <laughs> And like I, the the worst part about laughing at a person as opposed to what they say is that they'll think that your laughter was meant for them, and then there's a very uncomfortable conversation afterwards where they think you got the joke, and I have to be like, no, 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 you are the joke. Yeah. Like, oh, it's <laughs> the reason. The reason I think it's important to bring up um, the Missoula case that you're talking about in particular is because. One of the things I want to discuss uh, after we kind of go over the Arbery case is the fact that, like, there are lines that we are willing to cross and kind of acceptably go over. And we have decided in a court of law, for the most part, that it is unacceptable to set up a cardboard box. Yeah, set up a trap. Like, like we've decided that is unacceptable for the, the lines of murder. Well, and one thing that I think is important to note, and I know we'll come up when we talk about your case, is that... The judge who handed out, I think, either the verdict or, like, the sentencing said, like, you want, you were hunting. That was not protecting your house. You were hunting. You you were looking for an excuse to commit violence. Yep. Yeah. Exactly. You, you put out a salt lick and waited for the deer to come. Yeah. And it's, which isn't to equate the the people to deer. No, that's true. That's, that's real good. I mean, there was, a, there was such, like, a very 
cold moment because his mother, Karma's mother, got on the stand to testify, I think, to Karma's character. And then she asked the kid's dad for forgiveness. And, or, like, and, want, and wanted to, and like, apologize and reach out. And he, and like, he responded. He's like, well, it's too late. There's nothing you can do. Yeah. Especially because that was the first time she had spoken to him. So it wasn't like, because you figure out who your son murdered pretty quickly, I imagine. And yeah. the connections that moved back. So, like, it's it was very, like, tell Cersei it was me moment for me. Like, it still probably hurt a lot, but I'm like, yeah, fuck you. It's it's a thing people don't aren't comfortable with, which is like you're under no obligation to forgive terrible people. No. You, the most you are obligated to do is make peace with them. That is, and that's that's and still on your terms. Yeah, and it's hard for people to accept that. Like I might be impositioned, you know, because some because I ruined somebody else's life. It's that it's. Ugh. Ah, so. Oh, and I mean, he's still it. in prison, and every time he, they, he's tried to appeal, the Montana Supreme Court, I think, heard something and are still like, no, you fucking stay. And then the the National Supreme Court has denied. It's pretty close and shut. Like, he tried to argue that they misrepresented his defense initially, and that he didn't have a good enough lawyer team. He only had, like, six lawyers. So, he was fine. Last thing I will say, the amount of people on both sides in those communities that I would see in social media comment sections was pretty, it was pretty unsettling to see the people who were in support of what he did, or at least defending him for it and saying that it was his right. Not that it was okay, but that it was his right. And it's like, what? Well, it goes not, not to, not to pimp the episodes of recyclables, but it goes to that thing of like, it doesn't matter if it's right or wrong. It's legal. And uh, what it was was legal. Um, you know, slavery, slavery is just on the books, all right? I'm not, I don't think it's right to own a person. I'm not going to not benefit from it, though, you know? Mm-hmm. Murder's not right, but, you know, I can, I can, I, I set up the circumstances so I could murder. Mm-hmm. I don't understand why you have a problem with the murder I committed that I set up. I followed every rule. Yeah, it's that thing Mark Zuckerberg says where he's like, it's not illegal, but it's not right either. So it's it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. Oh, it's fine. Let's take it. I really hate his move fast, break things shit, too. It's it's all related. It's it's the reason guys like Garage Dude exist is because they want to be guys like they want to be guys like Zuckerberg. So it's the same thing that happened with Trump where it's like they they fill an empty vessel with whatever they want. Because it doesn't matter to them that they wouldn't be accepted. Th- those people are doing the things they want to do, right? That's why, that's why so many people, like Elon Musk too, where they're like, they just jerk those guys off because, like, I want to be those guys. If I look at his dick and I'm holding his dick, then it's like it's my dick. Sorry, Pearl. Sorry, Pearl. Sorry, Claire. Sorry, everybody. Along a similar vein, too, with a lot of these folks, it feels very much like, well, I put a Punisher sticker on the back of my Toyota Tacoma. I should have known. He should have knew what was coming. Yeah. <sighs> yeah, no, it was It was just really heartbreaking because you saw such a staunch divide. You saw people who just, it's, they seem so unsympathetic. And, I mean, I guess I grew up with a different attitude about guns 
and, like, protecting yourself and your family, but it seems like a very prevailing attitude in some rural communities is this very aggressive and violent way of being in your community to protect yourself. Speaking of protecting yourselves, we have pretend sponsors. If you want to be a real sponsor, feel free to contact us uh, through the Patreon. Email us, just message us. Just if you see Rochelle and I in the street, stop us and be like, here is cash money. I love what you do. Yeah, I would rep that bakery hard. We're back. I don't know why my voice did that thing. That was that was good. That was you heard a thing. This is part two. We're now actually going to get into the Arbery, uh, Ahmed Arbery murder itself. Yeah. I'm gonna. I think in the court of law, you're supposed to use specific language, and reporters try to use languages. But we're fucking hack podcasters. We don't yeah. care. Yeah, um, Ahmed Arbery. So this was the incident where a man was seen running through a house that was under construction. And then was murdered uh, by three men after an extensive car chase. Uh, the three men are... Uh, I'm, I'm going to quote... When I quote directly for this part from the NPR article, I'll send you the link for the things. Um, okay. Uh, but Gregory Michael, age 65, had worked in law enforcement for decades, including a stint as an investigator for the district attorney after spotting Aubrey... Uh, he later told police that he grabbed his 357 Magnum and told his son, Travis, the guy's running down the street, let's go. Travis Michael is the other defendant, it is, or McMichael is the other defendant, Travis McMichael, 35, shot and killed Aubrey Arbery with a 12-gauge shotgun after chasing him in his F-150 pickup. He is a former Coast Guard, apparently that's important to know, um... It gives context that he should know to use firearms properly and not be engaged in the situation. William Rody Bryan, age 52, is the neighbor who jumped into his Chrysler Silverado pickup to help chase Arbery. He used his cell phone to record video of the final moments of the confrontation. Of note, ten weeks passed between Arbery's death and the first arrest in the case after the video became public. So I think we can talk about that very very quickly, which is... Not only did it go public, but it went viral, it, it, I think yeah. is key. Yeah, it started off as a uh, a thing that the police just kind of ignored. Yeah, well, from what I understood, um, a lot of the police department personally know the defendants, so they didn't... It was like they recused themselves kind of shit, and, and no one wanted to because he's a pal, he's a buddy... They don't think what he did was that wrong. And so, and also they, they just take his word for it. It's one yeah. of those things where it's like, well, why would we lie to us? We don't have yeah. a history of that. And then what happens is there is enough controversy and investigation going on as the 10 weeks go along that, uh, Rody, uh, or, or William Bryan releases the video footage of the thing because he thinks it will help recruise, uh, uh recuse, uh, Traffic McMichael. Because uh, he kind of he, he releases the video to show like, hey, this was the situation. Clearly, it was what we're talking about, and then that was really what let, made it go viral was releasing the video because it's it's pretty harrowing shit to watch. Like, oh, I I watched it when that legal legal video came out. Ugh, I I kept thinking about it for weeks afterwards, and it's just so insane. Just seeing the look on his face, it was insane. Three things struck me when I saw the video. One is, like, the part where it's like, I've seen videos of white guys chase down black guys before. They were from the 50s, weren't they? Like, there's kind of that reaction. 
And then there's also the part where it's like, as I just mentioned, I'd been robbed in the past, and it was these dudes that kind of like pulled up in front of me with their car, and they all hopped out into this thing. And like, I, I kind of saw myself in that situation a little bit. Like, I'm, I'm not going to run for five minutes. Five minutes is a long ass time. It's a very long time. Right. And then the, the third thing was like, no, no, I, I understand every one of, uh, uh, Mr. Aubrey's actions because it's like, if somebody's waving a gun at you. You don't just respond with, oh, yeah, hands up. You know what I mean? Like, especially if you're a black man in the South. Like, yeah. I, I don't want to presume, but I'm going to presume in that case. So eventually they do get arrested uh, from a lot of pressure from the community. Um, and then you, uh, Corey, you had some, some stuff for us. Yeah, actually. So uh, before we actually talk about the trial that's happening, uh, I think it would be important to note that the trial judge, Timothy Walmsley, made the following pre-trial rulings. So these are things that he decided upon before the trial got started. First point. He denied that the prosecution, he, de- he denied a prosecution motion to bar testimony that the neighborhood was, quote, on edge at the time of the killing. He ruled that the defense could not introduce evidence of Arbery's prior bad acts, uh, noting that the McMichaels were completely unaware of anything that Arbery had ever done before the time of killing. They just saw a black, black man running, running down the street. They didn't know anything about yeah. his past, anything about what he had done as a human being leading up to this. He justified that ruling by more or less stating that the character of the victim is neither relevant nor admissible and it should uh, be, in this trial. And if it does, like, I would also argue, like, dude was trying to to kind of remake himself from the looks of it. Like, he was trying to get his life, quote unquote, on the right track. Like, it, and it doesn't sound like the things he did were insane either. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, he wasn't he wasn't holding up old ladies for their pension check. He was like, regardless, neither of he was neither going of these for a people run in the middle of the fucking yeah. day. Yeah. Neither of these people would have witnessed either hand either correct. side of that. Spectrum, correct, correct. Right? I'm just saying, like, it's it's even if you do bring it up to me, it's yeah, kind yeah. of null and void because you're like, well, even if he did do these things, he was trying, like, he's. Like you said, he's out for a run. He's trying to... Anyway. Uh, The judge also ruled that the defense could not introduce Arbery's mental health records as evidence, citing medical privacy. I I think they argued that he had either been institutionalized or he had tried to self-harm or something to that effect. And so it might have been... There was was a nurse's diagnosis... Yeah, there was a nurse's diagnosis in 2018 uh, that diagnosed Arbery as having mental illness of some kind. And that the judge deemed this diagnosis highly questionable and said that it could unfairly prejudice the jury. So that was taken there, off the table. To, to give a little context to that as well, there's this big kind of right-wing point I've seen on and off again. I've heard Malcolm Gladwell make it. He's obviously not right-wing. But that a lot of people that are killed by police do it as a suicide by cop. And so that's also why you try to introduce this as the defense for these murderers is like, no, this guy acted this way because he wanted to die. Oh, my God. Um, The judge ruled that the prosecution could let the jury listen to recorded phone calls made by McMichaels after he had already been in jail. Conversations that McMichaels had had once he was in prison that had been recorded. Uh, issued a limited gag order on trial lawyers not to comment on inadmissible evidence, including evidence that they should reasonably know, which would be ruled as admissible in a trial, right? Or inadmissible, sorry. He excluded evidence of minute amounts of THC detected in Arbery's body. Oh my fucking Uh, god. uh, Why would that... 
Yeah. He was too chill. You so, gotta yeah. kill him. So he excluded that evidence, uh, saying it was irrelevant, uh, excluded testimony of two use of force experts, which the defense wanted to use regarding Travis McMichael's Coast Guard training, oh and excluded the introduction of graphic footage of Arbery dying. Yeah, because they hung around, obviously. They didn't... Yeah. I don't think they administered... I didn't watch to see if they administered CPR over the course of the video. I don't remember. Interesting thing, uh, the last the last little note here about what the judge had decided. He excluded evidence that Arbery was on probation when he was killed, because they wouldn't have known yeah. that. But he did allow the action into evidence of photos and videos of the Confederate flag symbol on the truck that Travis McMichael was driving. And there's also a uh, a nine one some other things that the judge did that were notable. There's a nine one one call that is made a, around the time of the incident. That's like we're gonna go get him. Uh, that was was allowed to be in, if I remember right. He also ruled that um, th- th- there was a way that one of the witnesses phrased something that was super prejudicial. That was like, no, the killer did the killer thing, and they murdered. And the the, the defense was just like. Come on, man. And the judge was like, we're going to ask the jury to strike it from the record, but we're not going to. But part of that is when you're the defense, you build up a bunch of that stuff so you can get the trial done again if you think you're going to lose. Like, so you just, you, you set up hook, story hooks for later. It's, it's great. It's, it's a good system. I'm, I'm surprised. That was a lot of stuff that I guarantee you was the exact opposite of what was going on in the Rittenhouse case. Yeah, we'll get into that in the in the next half. The other thing that, that is important is Jesse Jackson. Or was it Jesse Jackson? Oh, I did not write my notes. Either way, I'll edit it so it sounds like I said the right person. <laughs> Show up at the, um, at the courthouse and sit in the back because they've been asked to be there by the community. Because the community has been pushing for this thing to be solved. Mm-hmm. And so um, one of the things that the defense wanted was to have people removed, and the judge was like, I didn't even realize that was the celebrity. Yep, it was Al Sharpton. Al Sharpton, okay. I, think. I, I didn't even realize it was Al Sharpton until you said something. How is the juror going to know? Like, how is... Yeah. So, yeah, but but the judge was like, "It that doesn't count. I'm not going to kick him out. So there's... there's right. there, The judge is clearly kind of like... I don't know how to say that without sounding like I'm slandering a judge. And I feel like that gets you in trouble when you record it. So I'm not going to say anything in that sense. Right. But he's definitely not being impartial. Is that the right word? Yeah. Um, he, he is doing the job of being a judge. He has he has told the defense like that they can't do certain things, as, as you pointed out. Yeah, yeah. Well, and it seems pretty clear to me. Or the prosecutor that they can't do certain things. I mean, it still seems pretty... Like, even if the deck seems like it's getting stacked in a certain direction. It seems pretty clear to me that a lot of the reason why certain evidence wasn't admitted is because it straight up was completely irrelevant to the case. And that is unfortunate for a lot of what the... generally the people who would be on the defense side of this whole thing as a full-ass spectrum... It's a lot of the stuff that they rely upon in their arguments. It's yeah. a lot of the things that they use to justify the, their bullshit. Because the, end, like, no, it's the bullshit. end argument that the that the prosecutors have is like, you guys intended to commit murder. Like you, yeah. at the end of the day, somebody was going to die. It didn't matter who, but it, you were hoping. I mean, they don't say you were hoping it was black a black person, but like it's you were hoping it was a black person. And the defense's argument is it was self defense when the gun went off. 
that that by the because Aubrey there is there a was point, a there was a physical cause, confrontation and because here's the thing if somebody if somebody has a gun and you can close the distance you kind of should close the distance mm-hmm. because then that means part of how guns work is they're ranged weapons mm-hmm. so like if you if you pull a gun really close to someone and they you knock their arm off you're not going to hit them if you're right inside the arc of a shotgun unless it's sawed off you're going to be able to at least get punches in push it away you're you're in a safer position from that gun mm-hmm. and assuming those guys in that truck which uh ahmed had to assume are with the dude with the shotgun then it's like also are you guys going to shoot your guy right like all i need to do and it's it's sorry it's just a problem in a fight which is all arbury needs to do is not die and all they want to do is kill him and in the end like he, he i don't know he just has no way out of that situation it's yeah. just it's it's gross yeah they, there was it's so silly for them to argue self-defense when they got their guns, got in their cars, and drove down a man running on foot. Now, the issues the issues worth, I don't know if worth noting is the right phrase, but the issues oh, is brought in. He ran through a construction site and stopped to look at some things. And there had been, and there was, the the owner of the property had lied about thefts. And had since, I guess that was one of the things I saw in the videos was that it came out that like he had had things stolen from him, but it wasn't off the property. But he, it's one of those things where you, you got a good story going. So you tell the guys like it's worse than it is. So you get another beer out of them or whatever, you know? And so that escalates to these guys. Another thing that's worth noting is these guys aren't working. There's no, they don't have, they, they were unemployed at the time. So they were kind of fixated on. They, they also have weren't working. Better to do, apparently. Yeah, yeah. Well, and also they weren't working in that it wasn't their job to do this. They yeah. made the decision, and that's what the prosecutor really made the point of. Is she? She's when she goes through, and one of the videos she goes through the testimony, and basically every time that you could have stopped and not killed a person, she's like, you know, at this point, you guys could have stopped and like let the police handle it, not murdered a person so like hey when you guys were standing around the building with the guns you could have not right and there's a not zero chance that they could get out of it that they could get away with it mm-hmm. right and and if they do i think that's an issue because it 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 redraws a lot of lines i'm not i'm i'm very scared of seeing redrawn yeah. a but b it's also they're trying to set it up for when if they lose how they can win if that makes sense how they can um appeal Appeal, thank you they're setting themselves up for their appeal with this trial as well to a certain degree but one of the things i feel like is the defense the the prosecutor i was watching the closing arguments and she that's that seems like a bad play if this was a card game Mm -hmm. and it's the issue is that the defense is walking a jury of 12 white dudes from georgia or 11 white dudes from georgia through a scenario and his when he walks them through the scenario he's like talking about how if your house was robbed if your neighborhood was robbed if x y and z right and trying to put the def- the, the jurors in the feet of these men obviously that's that's your job and then how the prosecutor goes about afterwards is like look you don't need to worry about what the state thinks you need to think about what people are going to think of how people are going to repercussions yeah and so it's one of those it's one of those things like i was telling rochelle there was that um i think it was a governor who part of their ad campaign was trump endorses my my opponent and it's basically just free advertising for your opponent that you're like well 
you know, Trump endorses this guy. So if you don't like me, I'm telling you how much, how good this guy is. And there was this weird feeling I got when the, when the prosecutor was talking where I'm like, you're kind of telling them to agree with the defense attorney. You're kind of giving them an out because you're, you're trying to say, Hey, this isn't about the state. It's about you guys. And this dude has just spent, you know, however much time walking you through being these guys. Mm -hmm. And it's, I don't know. It just, it, there's a not zero chance these guys are going to walk. And it, yeah. Yeah. Well, it, yeah. Well, I think the problem that I have with that is is saying something along those lines introduces a precedent in future cases where you can bring up complete so, the consequences of the decision you make as a juror as something to try and influence it which is completely unrelated to the case that you're hearing. Saying that if you don't rule on the right side, on the quote, right side of this case, the repercussions from the public are going to be your responsibility, which is an incredibly irresponsible thing to say because it is absolutely irrelevant to the case being heard at the time. I mean, the also like the, the William Rody Bryan might not. I mean, he was the dude who just got in his car and had the camera, mm -hmm. and he's considered an accessory just because of the weird way laws are written, where it's like, you talk to these two dudes beforehand that if something would happen, you had their backs, yeah. you're in a conspiracy to commit murder. Even if you don't know that these, the son, father and son are sitting here talking about whatever, the, like, sorry, there, there's also this thing where it's like, father, son, any, any parent-child relationship eventually gets toxic if it's just the two of them alone in a house. Yeah. That's just the way yeah. society has, has made it. And so I'm like, why are, I don't know, to me, these are all kinds of white trash warning signs. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. <laughs> well, also, it's like, my dude, you had a camera out and you watched this whole thing happen from beginning. Well, I mean, I can understand if two dudes have guns and they do shit, I'm... I'm not gonna say shit. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I am what some people consider brave, but I'm not that brave. You know what I mean? I'm not, oh, for sure, I'm not, yeah. hey, gentlemen with guns, please don't murder me as well, brave. I'm, it's not that he went along and filmed, it's that when he turned that footage over, he thought it would exonerate yeah. those guys. That, that yeah. doesn't make that, him... That's why I am comfortable no. with him being considered an accessory. I, I, I don't know if there's a law for that. No, I, I, I agree. With the, the man's repugnant in that sense. I don't think he intended to... I don't think he intended for there to be a murder. And I think he thinks that video shows that. Oh. Well, we're going to talk about... We're going to connect this a little bit to the Rittenhouse case. But I wanted to... We wanted to... It's it's in its final day today. Like they gave their final argument. So yeah, by the I mean, time, it depends on how long deliberations take. They could take a while. Yeah. So depending upon when this episode drops, the the the, the verdict might be out yeah, already. The verdict is likely out. Which um, is kind of why we picked this one because the written house one was already done uh, and and is being picked apart. But after and we weren't going to talk about the written house one. But after all the news coverage that I watched about. Uh, this one and the tangential Rittenhouse coverage, I, I had a little thing to say, which we'll do when we get back after this. Yeah, if he has to suffer to watch Fox News, you have to hear about it. I watched an hour of Tucker Carlson! Okay, I'm not going to keep that part in there. I, I think like you Tucker should. Carlson. Oh my god. Right. Are you trying to tell me that we can't hunt people for sport? It's something. That's why I've titled this audio The Most Dangerous Game. Because both of these people hunted people and killed them. Yep. 
Patrick argues it's a bad title. I agree with him, but I still wanted to I, name the file it is. Here's the thing. I don't think it's as offensive as it is a lot of steps to get to the punchline. Yeah. But I, I, I turned on the timer. We're going to start the third section with that because they are... That's it. Patrick's putting down his foot. He puts the timer down. Yes, I put Rochelle's timer down. Amazing. <laughs> Um, it is the most important guest we have on the podcast. So we weren't... Our initial plan was to not talk about the Rittenhouse case. Uh, Rittenhouse. Rittenhouse, whatever. Rottenhouse. Oh, wait. I'm Rochelle. I'm Corey. I talk too much. I, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm Patrick. And what happened was I started watching... Part of my job is I watch the videos uh, Rochelle does not want to watch, which I think is pretty fair, because she reads the shit I find too boring to read. Like, it's a very good swap. Uh, it does lead to me watching an hour of Tucker Carlson and crying. It does lead to that. But we'll get to that. He then masturbated with the tears, though. So it's a bit of a... That is that is a blatant lie. I don't need that many tears. Wait, did you uh, Joe Rogan it up? Did you give yourself I, a I, little, little known fact. I'm actually having a fine life, missing three vertebrae and having no teeth. There are some fringe benefits. <laughs> Unfortunately, my penis is too small to reach my mouth, so uh, that's not one of them. But uh, what happened though was I, I was I was looking on the the right wing, the right side, the fuck side of what their response to the Arbery case was, uh, and the biggest deal was that they didn't declare a mistrial over the arrival of Reverend Sharpton, and the, their other response was that the judge was kind of. They weren't calling him a loose liberal judge, but that he was a liberal judge. Got me to wondering, like, why aren't they talking about this case? But they have video after video after video of the Rittenhouse case. Like, the only video on Fox is, like, at least maybe my algorithm is all weird, but it was, like, nine months ago and then a couple of weeks ago for the Arbery case. But in that same time, like, over the last just weekend alone... The case that's already kind of decided in X, Y, and Z, they they just keep covering. And part of oh, that, yeah. part of that is because Tucker Tark, Tucker Carlson has an exclusive interview coming up with him because he prepared a documentary about the the the, the, the shit that happened. Do you think that they with they they don't want to talk about it until it has good optics? And so that's part of the reason they're avoiding talking about Ahmad Arbery. I, I think so a little bit. That was my initial thought, at least. I, if I can put on my tin hat, I, I firmly encourage tin hats because we all have them, regardless of how much we shit on people in QAnon. Well, here's the deal: the written. I, I think we all three agree the written house case kind of changes the line is drawn in a new place as to what is acceptable. From a certain segment of the white of the population, I didn't even mean to put white in there, but yeah. but a certain segment of the population directed at another segment of the population. But but it's it's I, I guess what I'm trying to say though is it's giving permission to white dudes to show up with guns to defend property, even if they don't commit the murder. They even if they don't shoot at anyone afterwards, it's giving them a permission to at least go that far. Like it's it's. We we talk about in recyclables how there's like a death of the author to philosophies, so it doesn't matter who wrote them, the end result is kind of what matters. And death of the author in this is that like end result is anytime there's a protest from here on out, we're gonna see armed chuds, I think. Like mm-hmm. that's I think that's a pretty I don't feel like an expert on armed chuds, but I do think that's a pretty easy equation to make. Absolutely. The precedent has been set as of now. I, I think the Arbery case is 
that same group of people looking to see how far the line is drawn now. Because the line used to be, to a certain degree, you know, 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, 2000s, 2020s maybe, that you could just kill an unarmed black man for being unarmed and running. The, the policing of black bodies is pretty well institutionalized in this country in one fashion or another. But the line is such that it's now, they're allowed to do X, are they allowed to do Y? And I think, like I mentioned in the other sec- segment, and like you're saying, I think what they're doing is they don't know how it'll end. I don't think they knew how the written house version of things would go, but I think they knew what their response would be. Right? Yeah, because, I mean, it's clear-cut that they have a good story either way, and, like, they can build, like, regardless of where it went, they, they could take the victim really easily in that, too. And, and the other thing is, like, these guys are, the difference between a, a, a kid in Minnesota, and I regret, I, I know. And two grown men in. Is, is a lot of things. Is that, and I, I want to sideway note, I know I call him a kid, but to me, anybody under 25, just your brain's not developing, you're still a kid. And this isn't, this is not to fucking simp for a fucking murder. I want to clear that part. No, when he committed the murders, he was 17, right? Yeah, but it's still, to me, it's still, it's still it, it's still yeah. reprehensible. You know what I mean? Yeah, like it's, it's still, still representable, reprehensible. But he was seventeen when he did it. He was a child. And there's a distinction between an affluent white kid who's doing these things because he can live because he's he goes to town because it's where his dad lives, right? That's why his mom drives him there. Not not just his his. I thought his mom just drove him to an entirely random city for no purpose, but at least there was, like... The, there's a little cover. There's a tentative connection that his dad is there. But but more importantly, he's kind of upper-middle-class white versus these kind of lower-class white dudes who do the good old-fashioned good old-boy thing versus what's the modern. And I think Fox is prepared to embrace the modern, but they're not sure how their audience is going to feel about the old-fashioned version of things. Like, like do they want old season or new season racism. Right. I don't, I don't, sorry, I don't know how to get into this part. Cause it, the, the thing that worries me is that we already have things like unregistered lynchings, essentially like not yeah. that, not that you can go and go to the department of lynchings and register, mm. but we have, for example, in Portland, there was the murder of uh TD Gooley on May 27th of 2019. Some people called her Tay Tay. And the deal was she was found hanging from a tree and um the police ruled it a suicide uh when they found a black body hanging from a rope in a tree and it took a definitive push from her family it wasn't until very recently like i think october was when the police were finally like okay we'll investigate we guess seems suspicious good thing so many people are gonna start have forgotten a lot of things that happened when she actually passed like, like that's very that's very reminiscent. When when I heard about dude who's like presenting the camera footage to exonerate his friends, my immediate thought was that because once the community saw it, they made a big push for it. Same deal here. Once the community was like this transgendered black person was murdered, like and you're just gonna let it go unanswered. And I guess my issue is the media hasn't covered this at all. You're not going to see it on Coin. You're not going to see it on, you know, NBC or Fox or any of the local affiliates. Yeah. yeah. And part of the reason you're not going to see it is because the police are just going to call it a suicide. Once cases like these get sensationalized and then normalized and then ignored, they're going to continue. There are plenty of other murders of unarmed black men for 
being at the wrong place at the right time. Yeah. But like very simply that, that we don't talk about. We talked about this example because somebody had footage of it happening and tried to call it self-defense when two men pulled guns on a guy who was just out for a run. Yeah, I mean... Uh, the only case we don't have footage in is the one that I discussed in the beginning, the karma case. But I think the the most important through line in all of these is that, like you were saying with uh, the men who killed Ahmad Arbery, their friend may not have known that they were going to kill him. But they knew that that was a possible yeah. eventuality and honestly probably hoped for it. Like, I'm sorry, it doesn't sound like in all of these cases... These people sounded like they wanted to kill someone. So it may or may not have happened that night, but that was their goal. Fucking Karma and his girlfriend, the mother of his child, set a goddamn trap. The men who killed Ahmad Arbery got in their cars with a gun and chased him down. Kyle Rittenhouse crossed state lines with his mother to shoot someone and then shoot the people who were st- trying to stop him from shooting other people and then walked away. The cops just let him go. And I I want to do a recyclables about a lot of little bits about this later on. A lot of this has some historical significance and like importance. One of the first things I think is important, even though we're not expressly talking about lynchings, we are talking about the murders of people who are outside of the parameters of, of society's acceptability. Outside the parameters of what white supremacy is actively protecting. Now, um, in the Rittenhouse case, I think it's especially important <laughs> because it widens the target. It is like, and I, I know this sounds very self-centered when I say it's now that they're not just going to shoot black people. They're going to shoot anybody with a black mask, anybody in a black t-shirt, I guess. You know what I mean? And I know that's a very reactionary reaction, but that's kind of how those guys are going to start thinking, mm-hmm. right? Because, I mean, well, think quite... about the behavior of all three of these men, oh, all three different stories of these men. They indiscriminately want to hurt people. Karma didn't know who he was going to hurt. Those dudes didn't know that guy running down the street. Rittenhouse didn't personally know any of those people or any of their affiliations and what who they side they were even on, necessarily. And, like, it's also, it reminds me of the time before the Civil War, there was this thing because of the thing called the Kansas-Nebraska Act, where basically they were like, we've had rules about what slavery is and isn't and where it can and can't be, but we'll let you guys decide amongst yourself. Whoever wins the fight for Kansas gets to vote what Kansas is. So a pre-Civil War, over, a, a mini, a series of guerrilla actions is what it's written down as, uh, occurs in Kansas before the Civil War over slavery. And all I can think about when I hear this uh, stuff about Ingenosha and other places where it's like reactionary dudes with guns showing up to people protesting the loss of life doesn't sound any different. It, it's that thing where history recycles itself. And I hear that very clearly there. And yeah. I, I, I like it's one of those things where it's like I don't know how to do a full episode of recyclables on it. But as we hear it and the the reason I think it's important was the reason I wanted in particular to talk about them is. When you look at the NSNBC, the CNN coverage as well, they try to keep these as two separate events because one is one is a kid showing up to a BLM protest and one is that same thing of it's, it's good old boys doing a thing. And like granted, uh, MSNBC and CNN is willing to be like, I don't think you're supposed to kill people for property. Maybe like at the very least, yeah. at the very least, just one person, like <laughs> limit the murders to single, single murder, like a, a person for a do- Anyway. 
the the way I think Fox is trying to portray it, like I said, is wait for the old versus the new. But neither of them are seeing that, like, this is the same struggle overall. And it's this point that I keep making on this show and on Recyclables. Bad guys are intersectional. The beauty of a hierarchy is you know where you belong in the hierarchy, and you just step two. Like, you just goose step two, I guess. But, like, I don't know. That, that seemed really important to me, because... Another thing historically is you get things like civil wars when the norms are broken. Caesar's civil war comes about because of this dude Sola who normalizes all the things Caesar does. He just exaggerates them. And it's like the the same thing. That's what Bleeding Kansas was, was we normalize that we're going to kill over slavery and then we get a civil war. Now we're normalizing whether or not we're going to fight over the right to be a police state or not. Wonder yeah. what's mm-hmm. Fight over the right to kill protesters. Oh yeah, no. I there's there is definitely something to be said about that. Just kind of being the modus operandi of, dare I say, just the conservative part of the country yeah. is that's what Donald Trump just did for the last four years. He was batshit insane because that meant that things that were just below what he was doing have now become reasonable. He pushed the limit as far as he could possibly go so that everyone that follows behind him and does it in a less ridiculous and insane clown car way. Or considering how palatable a lot of people found the way he did things, they'll lean into it. Like, we're seeing a bunch of people, like, really being like, I'm considered the Trump of this, or the Trump of that, or the Lady Trump, or the Trump with wings. It worries me because of this thing I always do, where I picture my dad in the scenario, and the reason why Donald Trump appealed to my dad, even though Donald Trump would have had nothing to do with my dad is he did the exact same things my dad would do in Donald Trump's position, right? Trashy trashy doesn't really... <laughs> I have this relationship with Trashy where I'm like, it doesn't matter how rich you are, Trashy is a thing. Oh, but yeah. I clearly define it differently than other people. But my point is, with the Rittenhouse case, with the case in uh, Georgia with Arbery, it's going to be the same thing. The guys like my dad, and there's a lot of them, are going to put themselves in these positions. And they're going to be like, well, what would I have done? Well, if I see somebody suspicious running around in my neighborhood, I guess it's okay to shoot them down. Well, if they're going after the city bank because they don't like what the police are doing, I guess we get to be the police. Because that was really uh, one of the... I I watched... uh, The New York Times did a pretty reasonable kind of little docu-series about what happens the night Rittenhauser did his shit. And one of the things is that whole night, the police had been going around saying, like, thanks for guarding this property for us. Thanks for doing our job for us. Thanks for, thanks for... validation, yeah. It's worrisome just in a lot of ways. I know you guys both know it. But then it also, it's especially worrisome because the thing I'm scared of is guys like Ted Cruz or uh, pick an asshole of the week, Kristoff. Actually, I don't think he would, but but definitely Ted Cruz or or maybe not Mitch McConnell, but one of his under under maggots, like one of the ones that slithers away from him, mm-hmm. are willing to Magai. Uh, anyway, but they're willing to kind of back pocket these assholes and be like, look, as long as as long as you're putting up with me, they're not going to do anything. Which was like that was Ted Cruz's whole gambit with Trump was like once he goes crazy, I'll seem reasonable. Like yeah, it clearly yeah. backfired. It's worrisome because the people that we might consider the good guys, I don't want them to do it, but they're utterly unwilling to do it too. And I was just going to end this segment by talking about what we talked about earlier, which Mm -hmm. is just the thing that scares me is the only time things really change is when there are rights, when there are people Mm -hmm. en masse 
terrifying the people in power in one way or another. Yeah, violence and disruption has to occur. And the thing that my my personal philosophy is that violent revolutions only lead the violent to be in charge, which is kind of one of the hopes of this podcast is to teach people other ways to to react to crazy shit like this. But I'm scared because it's like you you push the poor and the disenfranchised and black people and disabled people, I guess, far enough and they're going to snap too. But then you've just given permission to all these guys who are real fragile to snap. And it, it, yeah. it, yeah, yeah. Well, and it's also going to, it's just going to be harder to seek out that change now that we've got militias that have basically been given the AOK. I mean, no one in Portland has shot anyone yet, but no, there no, are... no, they, they didn't remember no. there was there was oh, yeah, the, yeah, yeah. The, the police killed that dude that killed. Well, the, yeah, I mean, that I mean the roving guy. gangs of the roving gangs of oh, dudes of in the back boys. of pickup trucks. Oh, they're they're around. Like yeah. they're but... they're around. They haven't actually straight up started shooting yet. I think that we're not that far away from yeah. now that the Rittenhouse case has ended the way it has. We're not that far away from the oh, next. Oh, someone's like, going to see this as a tons of people are to see this as a What's that, that infamous event that happened in, in Boston in like the eighteen hundreds or seventeen hundreds or something, where there were a bunch of people Pick protesting or whatever, right? Right, and then like they <laughs> just got shot up. It was a massacre. It, like we're <sighs> we're heading into at some point because of this trial a massacre at a protest. History's history's on its way. Let's uh let's take a break and then talk about when we get back, talk about how to keep ourselves sane. Like no, for real. Like like let's yeah. not just like there's a lot of doing clone, but there's other things worth doing and, and and responses we can have that will also like like I honestly think if you watch that much Tucker Carlson at once, it's perfectly acceptable to cry. But mm-hmm. there's other steps I took beyond that, and I wanna I wanted to have that conversation. Yeah, you masturbated. Well, no, it's easy. It's just so easy for us to hear all this stuff and be like, oh well, I guess I'll just hope somebody else solves the problem. And there's proactive and reactive stuff we can do too. And I figured yeah. instead of us just because I don't want to doom and gloom. I know I know I have a reputation for being the sad joke guy, but people always forget sad than joke. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh. <coughs> oh, God. <coughs> you can leave that in. You dying on Pepsi. Let's jump in like we weren't having a conversation. Cause, well, no, because you were... Blah, we're part four. Uh, yeah. I'm, I'm Patrick. I'm Rochelle. I'm Corey. And we wanted to talk about, like, what what people's responses are to these things happening and what are the what are some ways that we think people will want to respond or we think would be good ideas as ways to respond to what precedents may have been set by the Rittenhouse here uh, and and, th- and this podcast is uh decidedly pro gun if Raytheon if uh, uh yeah. Smith and Wesson I don't know if they're still around Winchester isn't that one of if if Winchester wants to be sponsors of our podcast we are on board with it yeah uh, I can also I can also like I said I understand I talked about it when I was robbed I can understand the the instinct to be like well they've got retribution yeah yeah they've got guns let's get guns <laughs> I think that's a good reaction because uh as is mentioned at the start of that They've got guns. Mm -hmm. So, like, I don't... I'm not saying what you need to do is arm up and pull a John Brown. 
Like, yeah. like as I, as a pacifist, I say that as a person who believes in in a form of activism and revolution that is based on educating people and changing the circumstances of life rather than forcing people to change at gunpoint. I, it's still important to be like, well, you've got a gun, I've got a gun. Now what? Now, now the conversation is at least equal. Well, and the reason we're specifically talking about guns from the beginning is that we were kind of brainstorming ideas of how you can respond. We do just, I, do, I realize anybody listening to that is just going to hear us jump in right yeah, with, like, yeah. gun, gun, gun. Yeah, <laughs> but the reason we jumped to that specifically is that Corey brought it up and he felt very hesitant because he was concerned specifically with it, meaning that we in some way are encouraging the left respond to this in a similar fashion of getting guns, going out, protecting people. And I will have, I have two responses to that. One, I think in general... The American left isn't going to respond that way because it's inconvenient. I've said it over and over again. We like our Androids and our iPhones way more than we care about other people. It's a, it's a very cruel assessment of ourselves, but it's a fact. And then the other reason is when we do try it, there was a dude up in Seattle who's called like the John Brown of Seattle. He attacked ICE to, he like attacked buses in the hopes that people would go and break kids out of the cages and just got shot down. Because most people on the left know historically, if you paid attention to what happens, the state kills you. Like, well, yeah, and wasn't it was it a it was it wasn't Olympia, right? Oh, right but about that was, area. Or no, because there was the guy who um, shot a right wing dude, like a proud buyer or whatever, and killed him. And then the cops found him like a week later somewhere else and just shot oh, him no. in his car. Oh, no, this guy was different. He, uh, yeah, he, so this is a different story, but, but this is another happen. instance of, like, they're likely not even going to give you the chance of a trial. They're just going to take you out. And that's that's um, got historical precedent in that, like, the there, there was a whole bunch of instances where the government just cracks down and kills anarchists because, like, we can... Like, because that's a scary word, but, uh, uh, Corey, you had yeah. a recommendation for right. if you, we don't want to talk people out of getting guns, but we do want you to use them wisely. And I don't want a leftish Kyle Rittenhouse. That would be disgusting to me. I would be just as grossed out. Absolutely. It's and... just like no one's proud of Bill Maher. <laughs> There's so, side, side note, just for a second. It was the weirdest thing about going on the Fox News page. They love Bill Maher of course over they there. They he was on there almost as much as Kyle Rittenhouse. Like, Ugh. all right, sorry. sorry. No, it's okay. Corey. I think that this group stands to ensure that the people that they're training don't become left wing Kyle Rittenhouses. This is a group called Arm Your Friends, and on their about page, basically, like they're. The whole, like, um, what's it called when you make your, their MO, thesis statement, their right? Thesis statement. Yeah. Their thesis statement at the top of their page is that they are a company that provides firearms training, self-defense education, medical response classes, and it is specifically a community designed for the benefit of women, BIPOC people, the LGBTQIA plus community, and other underserved communities in the interest of helping them defend themselves and help one another. So given that we've seen circumstances in the last couple of years where there are a significant amount of marginalized people that are the victims of cases like we discussed earlier, there is a growing interest in getting yeah. these people to a point where they are 
proficient enough with firearms to be able to feel safe and comfortable in their community such that they can defend themselves if someone is literally hunting them down in the street. The point of this group is to instill a gun safety and recognition and training to make it so that the people that end up with guns from this group understand the power that it gives them and the extraordinary responsibility that one must understand in order to carry something like that my my rule of thumb is if you're listening to what we were talking about Mm -hmm. and like leading up to now and if you hear all this and your response is i'm gonna get a gun and shoot me some nazis right now you should not be getting a gun you should just i also i also understand that there are people who have issues with suicidal ideation yes or or i was a blackout drunk who definitely had suicide issues that's part Mm -hmm. of life with drinking i understand that there are people who can't own a firearm around themselves for for personal protection in the other direction well and and it is important to note that there are compromises in those situations as well I've, i've heard discussions of like you have like the mechanics of the gun with you, but, like, the actual firing element and ammunition you keep with someone else. Yeah, so, like, there's plenty of ways to have a gun and be safe with it. I think it's important to note that for some people, a gun is always going to be a necessary part. But I, we just want to impress the safety feature of it. Yeah. If you don't want to own a gun but you do want to become proficient, you can rent guns at the gun range and you can learn there. I didn't know that was a thing, actually. I didn't yeah. Know. So, and I think it's important to note, too, that... That that can arm happen, your, Well, this group, Arm Your Friends, one of their things that they talk about is they that it isn't just a group of people that are trying to get people armed. They also want to make sure that those people are trained in, or they offer training in, a lot of... Um, first aid? First aid and medical response. Because yeah. that was that was actually where we were starting the conversation. Was yeah, you that, can, was, that was what you I can, was... You can take about. first aid classes. Yeah, taking first aid classes. This has been something we've talked about, we talked about a little bit in supply chain. So learning not only how to take care of each other in traumatic situations, but learning how to survive outside of, like, the general creature comforts that we have. And there's there's other classes you can take besides first aid that are, are helpful. Like, you can, go, you can go to a seminar on how to help people through trauma. Or you can go... Yes. You, another thing I urge people to do strongly is donate your time. If you're... Especially... I, it's harder for me being disabled because, like, just going to go do something is a lot of the work of doing something. Mm-hmm. Right, but if you're if you're not disabled and you have the free time, I I highly recommend donating your time to a soup kitchen or a, a local group that anything that's a good cause that you believe in, mm-hmm. because then you'll get to meet other good people. Yeah. And part of the Food Not Bombs is a good place to look for. They're an anarchist organization that gets like food donations and then distribute okay. it. Sorry, that was just what I was thinking yeah. of. That no, that's a, that's a good They point. might need help. Uh, and, and I follow someone on Instagram. I'll, I'll actually include it. The big deal, I think, uh, not to go back to history again, but bad shit happens when good people don't do good things. You don't have to go and protest against the police if that's... That's physically intimidating to me, and I'm sure if... I'm not going to walk if I go to a thing like that. It's yeah. a very... It's it's just the reality of the situation, right? And I've had friends who are like, I'm not going to go because, like, I am equally in danger because 
I am black, or I am a mm-hmm. queer person, or I am a woman who is very fragile. Or that was that was my friend's argument. It was just that she was like, I don't feel safe in a crowd. I don't think people are going to protect me. There's other things you can do besides protest. Yeah, you can. Um, a comic that used to live here in Portland, they got laid off from their job and had like pretty quality benefits. So what they did is they donated a lot of time to organizations that helped bail out people who had been arrested and, like, picking them up once they'd been processed, too, after after actions. Because if you ask around, there's a lot of things people need that aren't necessarily money. A lot of, a lot of groups just need a person to do a thing yep. that other people are too busy to do. We are coming into the holiday season. If you want to donate to organizations like the food bank, just ask them what's, what's their goddamn Venmo. Don't give them your fucking canned food because they get much better deals on buying the food than you would giving them the food that you have in your pantry that no one really wants to eat anyways. I would also... Unless it's canned cranberry sauce because I want that. (laughs) (laughs) I would also like to note it has gotten a lot easier in recent years to seek out specifically black-led and black-owned or just, you know, people of color-owned charities... And other charitable organizations, you don't necessarily have to yep, supporting yeah. businesses, restaurants owned by marginalized people generally. That all of that is also beneficial stuff you can do for your community, and not all of that involves cash money. Uh, another another activity I want to suggest is you can do kind of like Rochelle and I have started through our little podcast network of you can just start a study group of people. We share information and we hang out together and we, we have a study group, so to speak. If you have friends in your life that you're like already reading some cool books with and you guys mm-hmm. already swap, why not add another person? And it's not just because like, oh, there's safety in numbers, but there's also it gives you a kind of a source of gravity that can convince you that you're sane in insane yeah. times. Yeah. Yeah, it can ground yeah. you a little bit. It can it's really hard right now to not feel so overwhelmed by how shitty everything is that you end up feeling alone. But so many of us are feeling like that that we're not alone at all. Plus if you make educating yourself a group project, then you kind of put a little bit of social pressure on yourself to step up to the plate. You've created an opportunity for your you to educate yourself uh, and better yourself and also hang out with people that you care about. Gross. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's kind of the whole model of recyclables. It's like, I was going to read these books anyhow. I was going to think these... I was going to annoy all my friends and family on Facebook with this shit anyhow. Yeah. 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 Social well- media feed is a lot. I'm I'm cutting back. I'm I'm actually thinking of like just going to Instagram for pictures and just uh posting like long if I'm gonna write an essay, put it on Patreon. Like Side you know. note, if you're putting stuff on Instagram that's just images, good idea to make sure that like your first comment is a caption of all of the things written in the post. I gotta remember to do that. Accessibility, baby. I'm bad at that. Which, I'm a buzzkill. Well, that uh, before we do that, the the final suggestion I had, uh, also kind of in the vein of make your own recyclables, is make find find the art or the thing that gives you joy, art or craft, or or game, and take joy in it. Don't don't be ashamed to take joy in the things that bring you joy when they're good. Yeah, I really enjoy building magic decks with my son. I've decided to jump back into it as we've gotten into these projects because we'll go to some dark, heavy places sometimes, you know? Mm-hmm. So, like. I need to talk yeah. to my wizards about it. Yeah, no, I gotta. I'm working on a, uh, working on a gorilla deck for a friend. 
and it's not the type of gorilla I want it to be. I will, I do want to make a gorilla warfare deck, because there are, like, three cards that say gorilla that way in their name. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Corey plays a lot of D&D. Yeah, I was gonna say. Apparently you're not supposed to say that, according (laughs) to some gatekeeper on YouTube. Yeah, oh my gosh. Honestly, like, there is a therapeutic benefit to a lot of tabletop RPGs, because it's inherently baked into the idea of playing a tabletop RPG is you're inhabiting a character that is not you. So you can, if you really want to, you can introduce ideas into your game and roleplay them out albeit in a ridiculous, fantastical fantasy setting or whatever setting that you're in, but you can absolutely explore a lot of unique and morally complex ideas through the avenue of of tabletop roleplay, and you have a shield or a buffer in the character that you're playing, you don't really have to feel these feelings because your character's doing it for you and working it out for you. But you all end up better for it. It's a team-building exercise? Yeah. Um, I've been making more poor paintings. I'm working on those a little. I have been, I haven't been for a while, but I'm reading that book about laziness and how it's all bullshit. And hopefully we'll be talking about that soon, but I've been too lazy to read it. That's a joke because laziness isn't a thing. You don't need to beat yourself up for enjoying yourself in a bad time Mm -hmm. because like you're allowed to, you got to recharge your batteries. The bad guys really do count on us. Like giving up and overwhelming us. This is a marathon, it's not a sprint. Get lost for three hours in a book. Play a video game. Play Halo Infinite. It just came out. Halo Infinite. Sponsor us, Microsoft. Do it. You won't. Microsoft is not going to sponsor Well, definitely. I I know there's a lot of stuff we didn't cover about the justice system, how it's messed up, how a lot of this wasn't a surprise. Really, what we wanted to discuss was, I guess, kind of how it was making us feel and also discuss our responses to it. I think we... Did we get all that? Did we get yeah. what we wanted? I think it was specifically about three different cases where people went out to hurt people and then used defense as their... Like, self-defense as their defense when that is not at all what any of those situations... If you're using common sense, self-defense does not apply in any of those situations. So, yeah. That, that, this is a fun one. It was a fun one. Hopefully we'll do something less sad next week, but the news is very rarely happy. Maybe, yeah, yeah. yeah. Maybe we'll we'll talk about unicorns. (laughs) Thank you for picking up Recyclables today. Donations to the Acast streaming service are, of course, always welcomed, but the best way to support the show is by going to patreon.com forward slash recyclables and becoming a patron today. If you can't do that, another great way is by liking, subscribing, sharing, rating, and reviewing the podcast on whatever podcast listening service you use. All right, thanks.